If you've ever found yourself passionately curious, the type to soak knowledge and question the how and why, and think you might have the curiosity to push past average, push all the way to limitless, then welcome to Sales Network One. Sebastian Vivacqua is an expert on the human connection of sales in life and business, and he's here to evolve our thinking about the psychology of selling. You'll also hear from sales heroes, growth addicts, and rising stars on their strategies, methodologies, and techniques all tools you can use for your own limitless growth. It's the concepts, the fundamentals, even things you've heard before, but presented in a way that just makes sense. Now, let's get into it. All right, ladies and gents, happy to have you back in the show because for the next two episodes, we're going to have a special guest Sangram Batra, he is the co-founder of Terminus, aka the Accidental Chief Evangelist, also known as the uh, father of AVM, and you, and you'll see, you'll hear why. He's an international speaker and also founder of Flip My Funnel, which is a top fifty business podcast, and he's uh, truly a passionate marketing marketing geek at heart. And in 2015, we we entered the age of AVM account-based marketing, and Sangram is a huge part of the reason why it's gained such a widespread popularity. He's, he's built not just a community, but a movement. Uh, he's also author of ABM for Dummies and ABM is B2B, which I've read twice, I recommend it. Um, so without further say, let's get into the show, guys. So much to say for Sangram here, and I just want to quickly get this started and ask you, can you please share with us what you're up to these days at Terminus? So at Terminus, I mean, we, uh, we started our company five years ago, but just to set context, uh, Sebastian, and again, thank you so much for, for having me and sharing this part of the story. Uh, prior to this, I ran marketing at Pardot, and we got acquired by Exact Target, and within six months by Salesforce for about $2.7 billion. And I shared that because it really set the context for me from a growth perspective, what it means to scale, uh, because right. Pardot at that time was about 100 people, and all of a sudden now we're part of this iconic brand called Salesforce, um, and it changed the course of my career and understanding of what scale means. All that to say is that Terminus, we started with a very simple problem um, that Forrester came out in, I think, 2015, right about when we started the company, which is that less than 1% of the leads that marketing and sales create turn into revenue. So if you think about it, let's say another way, uh, if you didn't hear that and if it didn't hurt you, this would hurt you, which is 99% of what marketing and sales creates is crap and doesn't drive revenue. So uh, that became the thesis for what account-based marketing is and, and Terminus and now, where we started as three co-founders. We're about 200 people based here in Atlanta and San Francisco. Um, we, we're just blessed to be being in, in some ways at the right place at the right time um, because I think ABM has now become a truly uh, important part of what marketing is all about in most organizations. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, and I think it, you guys are definitely, well, you, yourself, you're driving a movement for sure. Like like, like we were saying, you, you're very strong at building a community and, and like one, one, one strong fact that we can say, of course, is when, once, when you started in 2015, you know, there was about, I think 10,000 people with the, with the title, uh, 
ABM, and, and right now we're, we're seeing there's over 100,000. Uh, so, so that's one thing to point out. But on, on this first uh, part one that I wanted to do with you, I wanted to focus on something that you, that you guys are driving really well at Terminus, which is the hashtag one team mindset, right? So, you know, we have to, we have to be realistic. And for most companies, or for a lot of companies, sales and marketing are two different things. And yep. there's no communication. You, I mean, I'm, I, I, I've seen it firsthand, the fact that marketing is completely uh, in one place and then sales is another. And I think there's so many symptoms that separate uh, both of them. But you, you're working really well on bringing them together already at, at Terminus. And one of the things that you said as well is that the value of marketing as a function is defined by sales. And so I, I just wanted to unpack what are the symptoms that you earlier, uh, of course, identify when it comes to the separation between both of them and what are the things you're doing to bring in both teams together? Yeah, that, that's a great question, man. And I feel nobody wakes up in the morning thinking that, man, I, I want to be separated from my teams and I'm, I'm there for myself. People want to come do good work. And if you just believe that, as part of our human kind of DNA is to do good work. What happens when you come into, into work is that you have pressures of delivering on results. And when you don't have clarity for what results mean, it, then most CEOs and organizations would say, all right, all we know is that marketing, you can generate leads and that's how I'm gonna look at your value. Sales, your job is to close deals, so I'm gonna look at revenue and that's how I'm gonna look at your value. So it really started off with an inability of most executives and CEOs and board to look at marketing anything but brand and leads and sales as anything but just revenue. And what that created was a different set of metrics. So imagine if you're a married couple today and if you are living in the same house and you have to because you're married now and, and the rent owner comes to you and asks for rent uh, in that, for that house and you say to them, is that, all right, I just, I just use half of my house. So I'm gonna just pay you half the rent and not the rest. <laughs> right. not gonna really well. and, and that's what really happened in marketing and sales, I think, is, is that we started to divide the very nature of us wasn't to be. We are supposed to live in this together. So I believe that when you see things like, oh, we need to have um, an SLA, a service level agreement, marketing needs to provide a lead and sales, you need to uh, follow up on it within 24 hours. If you don't, your VP of sales is gonna get an email notification. If they don't do anything, the CEO is gonna get. If you see rules, if you start seeing meetings for meetings sake, or you start seeing side meetings, or if you start seeing eye to eye on many, many of the conversations, or if you start digging into, hey, I don't trust you, that kind of relationship, those are all telltale signs that it's not working uh, the way it is. So those are some of the symptoms, as you said, that I think a lot of organizations are facing, which seems like you saw yourself firsthand. Yeah, for sure. And, and just going deeper there, then can you just unpack on, on uh, some examples of how you guys are breaking through that uh, to make sure that you're trusting each other and, and you're building that one team? Totally. So one, one of the things I realized early on, and Sebastian, this is true for everybody, no matter where you are in the world and where you land up, uh, is that relationships are built over time. And trust is built over time. 
So this is not, if you are, in, if you're listening to this right now, and if any of this thing excites you and feels like, yeah, I just wish my salesperson or my marketing person would listen to this. Well, it is too bi-directional. It is not one way street. So, and it takes time. So don't expect any miracles to happen tomorrow morning when you wake up and walk in and say, Hey, we're going to do this thing because it takes time. Trust. You know, one of the things that I love to always say is that leadership is not what you say. Leadership is what you do. Very well said. And we, we forget that, right? And as a parent, I know what happens at home when we say, hey, kids, don't be on your laptops or te technology too much. And you yourself are on like technology. It doesn't work. People can see through that transparency. Stuff. So all that to say is that it is built over time. So I want to caution everybody that what I'm about to share is something that happens over time. And, and, and it takes a lot of, intentionality in the process so think about it from step-by-step -step process as opposed to oh we're gonna go tomorrow morning and change the world because I've seen that I've heard that and people have failed uh, and I don't want that to happen for for people so a couple of examples number one align your metrics to one thing whatever that one thing is marketing and sales if you both have two different numbers two different metrics it's not gonna work because you're gonna wake up every morning thinking you wanna do good, but you're gonna leave every, every afternoon trying to prove your worth by aligning to one of the metrics, whichever that is. So if you want an alignment, it really starts at the top and it's not a conversation handshake, it actually starts with metrics. Do you trust each other to align the metrics together? So that's number one, figure out a way that you can align the metrics. Number two, marketing and sales, no matter what, we have a meeting that we do internally, we call it the marketing meeting, which is right. marketing and sales. Every Monday afternoon at noon, they will meet downstairs during lunch and they will go through what marketing is doing, what sales is doing to drive the business forward. It's not about MQLs, it's not about leads, it's about how are we driving the business forward. So it's a very intentional meeting. Both leaders of the organization are there and that creates uh, a, a level of trust that, oh, you if you both feel good, then we all feel good. So it starts at the top. So get the numbers aligned. Make sure there is some sort of cadence, some sort of rhythm when it comes to having these conversations. And we call it the marketing meeting. So not sales, not marketing, just together. And then number three, we essentially it became so apparent over a period of time that whenever there was finger pointing, we would just say one team one team, hey, we have to figure this problem together. So it became such a cornerstone of our culture that it translated into this idea of one team. So by the time we announced, if you will, to the company, hey, one of our core values is gonna be now one team, people are like, yes, of course, we already act and behave like that. So those are the three things is, one, get your metrics right so you know what's the North Star and where you're going and everybody's aligned to that and that's very hard to do. So if you're able to do that, it, it's going to take some time, but it's worth it. Number two, figure out the cadence and rhythm of leadership. So people feel like they're aligned. So you're saying the same thing, the same word, the same vocabulary. It should pain marketing when sales numbers are not met. It should pain sales when marketing is not doing what they're supposed to do. So it should, the pain should be- Accountability. Accountability should be there. Yeah. And number three, come up with something that will rally everybody in your organization and will make everybody feel like they're part of something together. And, and for us, it's the hashtag Monty. That's awesome.
Love it, love it, love it, love it. I mean, those are really very strong points the way you're putting it. So I'm, I'm definitely gonna gonna summarize so well there with show notes so that people can actually get an idea and in, in, on this and see if they can start applying it. But very important, like you said, this takes time. It won't be a, a, an overnight uh, change in where both of them are suddenly gonna become teams if they're currently not a one team. You know, so and and I think. One very important part at the end that we're talking about accountability, the way you're doing it, the way you are putting all, all the metrics together, you're, you are, you are aligning it. It makes, it makes sense that each other is keeping accountable. So that's, that's very strong. And, and I want to continue asking you on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the part of ABM, right? So is account-based marketing making it easier for sales and marketing to actually be a one team compared to other strategies? That's the one question that I want to ask you, which I think I know the answer, but I want to hear from you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sure thing. Well, let's go back in time a little bit to, to again, set the context. 2000 is email marketing. That's when it came out. People really got excited. I, I you know, I share, I've shared that a couple of times. Oh, yes. People, I feel like, I think it's important to always understand the context of it because why all of a sudden there are 100,000 plus jobs in ABM? It's not all of a sudden. It's like, oh, that person may, became successful overnight. No, no, no. Nobody becomes successful overnight. It is decades, decades of people's work that finally all of a sudden puts a spotlight on them and they become whoever, uh, unless you just become lucky and, and then you should just play lottery, right? So, but for the majority of us, there's a decades of work that goes behind the scenes to actually get where we're most successful people are. So I don't want it to, to say, well, ABM is awesome. You should do it because it's the cool new thing. It's not a cute, cool new thing. It is not something that you should jump in because, Oh, we just heard about it. No, no, there's a whole history and content. The context is, is that email marketing was in the early nineties or like late nineties to 2000. And that was awesome. People used to get great open rate and then we ruined it because we say that, well, we can send emails. So everybody started sending emails. Fast forward five more years, 2005 marketing automation came about and they said, hey, we can send emails. So now we can capture leads. Let us help you do that. So Parlot, Marketo, Eloqua, all these companies came about. Five years later, 2010, Predictive came about and they said, you got too many leads. Let me fix that. I will show you which lead to go after. And they started to fix. And if you look at the pattern, all of these are technologies. They're all tools. None of this is a strategy. Email is not a strategy. Uh, marketing automation just makes marketers' job a little bit faster, easier. So it's not a strategy. Um, and predictive is, again, not a strategy. It's, it's all of these are tools. And you come to ABM, 20 fast forward five years, 2015, ABM comes to board. It's solving the same exact problem. I want to be in front of the people that I care about proactively. I want to engage with them. I want to serve them better. And I want to turn them into our customers and advocates. That problem is a strategic problem. So ABM, if anybody wants to take one thing away from this, is, is this. ABM is a strategy, not a tactic, not a tool, not a technology piece. It's, it's a 100% strategy. So as a co-founder of Terminus, I always say this, and I get a lot of flack from my, my sales team for this, is that, hey, don't buy Terminus to do ABM. Because if that's all you do, then you're not doing ABM. The right way to do ABM is, to, you don't even need technology to do that. Figure out the right accounts, figure out how you're gonna engage. You can start doing that by one by one thing. Technology will help you scale, 
but don't go after technology to just if you don't know what the problem is that exists. So ABM is a full-blown strategy that allows you to proactively go after the people, the customers, and the companies and the businesses that you can best serve. And that is a whole new ball game than waiting for any and everybody to come from the top of the funnel and then filtering them through. No, that makes sense. That, that makes total sense, of course. And, and I like the fact that you, again, you drive a movement. And that's why we call you the father of ABM, right? <laughs> that makes me feel super old, huh? So, yeah. <laughs> which, which for the record, you're not. You're, you're, you, you're, you're almost there, fine line in my, millennial, right? <laughs> I, I will be 40 this weekend. Fine lining, you know, like millennial. Like, <laughs> we, we could even call you millennial. <laughs> I, may, I may definitely can disguise myself and, and act and behave because I think that's how I behave. So maybe that's why. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But the, the one point that I wanted to make, and I, and I think that's uh, going back in there, is there's a lot of strategies out there when it comes to marketing. So I feel that ABM is something that helps both teams engage in a more uh, in, in a more intimate way, in where it makes it easier to to actually work, align one team, right? Yes. So when we're outside ABM, what are the things that you see? Like, is is it not much harder if, like, say, within within ABM, it is easier and it's harder if if you are outside. Is that a, a correct statement that I could make? Well, that's a really interesting observation, Sebastian, because I'll give you an example of a company um, which might draw the, you know, you'll get a point in there. So, um, and I'm, I have their story in the book. It's by Jeremy Middleton. Uh, their company is called Pramada. Um, right. And they had a 70% drop in their website traffic in within the first year and a half of doing ABM. Now, think about that for a second. 70% drop in your website traffic. What's the first thought that comes in your mind if you are the CEO of that company? Things are going down. Yes, right? And marketing doesn't know what they're trying to do. They need to be fired. We need to restructure. Or, but then, at the same time, the pipeline and revenue was going up. So it was like, wait a minute, what, what happened here? So this whole story is in the book. So, so there's a lot more detail there. And what they found out to kind of cut the story short is that they found out that when they dug deeper in it, they were able to look at it and say, oh, because we're doing ABM, we have eliminated all the noise. We're not doing Google ads. We're not doing like just generic advertising. We're not doing... Uh, content syndication where we know there is not good content, good, good, the right target audience to it. So we have taken the entire marketing budget and activities that we're doing and then focused literally on the 100 accounts or so that they cared about, that they knew they can best fit. So what happened as a result of that, only 100 of those people started to come into your website because that's who we are targeting. So they eliminated 70% of the waste that was coming to their website in turn made their sales team productive because they were not going after the wrong people in turn helped them close bigger deals because they were able to focus on the right every deal every account that came in was the right account and in turn the revenue grew because of the overall process so you think about that for a second and say when you do abm your metrics are going to change you are going to look at business outcomes as a way to measure success 
than the vanity metrics that you had and been surviving on or using it as clutches for most of our marketing career. So I have been in a position where I would show, hey, look at the traffic up and to the right as a way to show that I'm doing a better job. But that's a vanity metric. I can get a whole bunch of press releases and things like that to show traffic up. That doesn't mean the buyers are coming to it. So in a way, Pramata, as an example of a classic, like really interesting example of like, oh my goodness, things like we're sinking. And as a matter of fact, there couldn't be nothing better they could have done to drive better value for their company. So you take that as an example and say, is it easy or hard? Well, it is hard for anyone who wants to do better marketing. And it's hard because you cannot hide behind vanity metrics. It is going to be hard for everyone who's looking at it is like, okay, I want to just send emails and newsletters and eBooks and blogs. No, this is very different volume. You are literally focused on the right people and you might end up creating Sebastian and we know companies who do that where they would just create an ebook and a landing page and an ad for one company. So because the value of that one company is over a million dollars. So depending upon what the value of that particular account is for you, you can be so personalized that you create all the content that you knew for just now one company to bring them to where you want to take them. So, so the level of sophistication is going to be higher, which means that you're going to do more personalized stuff, which means you're going to do better marketing. So if that's in your DNA, ABM is cool. It's awesome. And you will enjoy every part of this journey. But if, volume and, 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 and the quantity is what gives you high, then you're going to hate ABM because it's not about that. Uh, the, the last point and, and how you finish it, it's, it's very clear then uh, for, for companies to understand what ABM really is. And the whole case study is very strong. So, um, and I, I want to ask this, this last question for, for listeners and that, that are listening right now and saying, hey, this is cool. You know, I, I want to see if I can try to unify sales and marketing, right? So we're, we're talking about commercial directors, you know, organizations that are listening right now and they're like, okay, I, I, this, this sounds something that we need to look into. So give them a challenge on how they can get started. Because like we said, it's, start, it's tough to get started. And secondly, it takes time. But how do they get started? Yeah. Give them that challenge. Um, I love that. Love that question. One of the ways to best do this is if you're a marketer right now, I'll give a challenge for a marketer and then a salesperson. Uh, if you're a marketer right now, go and find your buddy salesperson that you can you hang out with, drink yeah. beers with, or you know play ping pong with, or just feel like this person and you're, you're yoked, right? So find somebody that has to be somebody. Otherwise, I don't know how you build, like, not the entire, but you got to have at least one or two people in the sales organization that a marketer feels really cool and excited about and have a relationship with. And then ask them this very simple question. All right, let's call this person Sally and say, Sally, um, give me your top 10 accounts that you're focused on for this quarter, all right? And would you be okay if I start proactively getting our message, our brand in front of all the other decision makers that, that, that you are trying to get you in front of? We would do that for you. Also, let me, uh, let me just understand and maybe look at it and say, oh, you know what, I just found out that 
they all are kind of in the same industry. What if we create an ebook just for that industry? What would that do for you? Or, hey, what about, uh, we know that will show value because they're all in the same industry. So peer-to-peer -peer conversation would be great. Or maybe we could just send them a direct mail, specifically each one of them uh, that is so personalized, so customized that they will just open doors for you. What do you think of that? And I bet you that that Sally person would totally give you a hug because that is not a conversation that marketer has with a salesperson. And that's where the breakdown is, right? Because you're not looking at their quota. That's why sales they work on their accounts. As a matter of fact, it's called account-based marketing because the title of the salesperson is an account executive, not lead executive, right? So yes. <laughs> on the accounts, not lead. So that means, so that's, that's for a marketer to gain trust, build credibility, show that you care, show that you value, and show that you're going to do it on the accounts that they want to close because their paycheck depends on that uh, for that quarter. So that's for a marketer. That's a challenge. As a salesperson, awesome. yeah, if you're listening to this and, and you're saying that, hey, well, I don't know what, how do I build relations with marketers, you know, go and ask marketers to, with exactly the same exact challenge, saying that, hey, marketing team, here are my 10 accounts that we want to close. What can you do to help me close these accounts? and let them come up with a strategy for you. So give them the challenge to help you address that. And chances are, if they're smart enough, they will come with something that will help you. Otherwise, if they just shop you another case study or a data sheet or a product webinar, you know that they're not worth uh, anything and then you can, you, can, you can figure out another way to get what you want. But that's the way to build relationship is to care for the person on the other side. All right, guys, I hope you are listening and taking some notes here because Sangram just gave us a lot of actionable tips and advice on, on how sales and marketing can truly come as a hashtag one team together and really build that hashtag one team mindset again. So thanks a lot to Sangram. And uh, I really want to tell you guys that we're not done. We're actually going to go through part two and, and uh, tune into the next episode because Sangram is going to be talking about how to build a community and and this is another great topic and before before letting you guys go i i want to i want to make sure that you guys go to amazon and check out abm sp2b and once again i want i really hope you've uh, enjoyed the episode and see you on the next one this has been Sales Network One, covering the concepts, the fundamentals, things you've heard others ramble on about, but in an innovative, exciting way that just makes sense. Join Sebastian again on the next episode. Subscribe now so you're first to hear it. And if you really liked it, give us a five-star review or share this episode with a friend. Our website is salesnetworkone.com. Hasta la vista, baby.